Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Welcome, friend. Follow me. We're going somewhere dark, somewhere dangerous. Most people would never dare enter the place we are going. There's no telling what horrors we'll find, what terrors we'll uncover. Don't say I didn't warn you. We might discover terrible monsters lurking there. Be careful, they could follow you out. Or maybe they're already inside you. Are you afraid? Good. Now you are ready to enter the Warning Woods. Zoe and Roman had been planning their five-year anniversary trip since just after their third anniversary. It wouldn't be some glamorous vacation. It would suit the down-to-earth, outdoorsy couple perfectly. They planned to spend a week camping in Glacier National Park. The young couple had meticulously studied maps of the various campgrounds at Glacier and chose one slightly off the beaten path. They couldn't reserve a specific campsite, but they thought if the campground itself was more isolated, they had a better chance of acquiring a quiet spot for their tent. The couple's very supportive group of friends threw them a small send-off party in the upstairs section of the bar they all liked to hang out at. Everyone teased them for wanting to spend their special trip laying in dirt and picking ticks out of each other's hair. Zoe and Roman laughed at these comments good-naturedly, but shared longing glances at each other throughout the night. They couldn't wait to hold hands on a clear water shore and stare up at snow-capped mountains. They couldn't wait to smell the cool, slightly damp air breezing off the water, the fresh green aroma of lush, nourished trees. Roman secretly planned on proposing. He hadn't told anyone. They flew out to Montana from the Des Moines airport. The cost of their plane tickets ate up the majority of their budget but neither of them could take enough time off work to drive all the way to Glacier. Because of the flight, they had to pack Feather Light. They managed to get the single-person tent they would be sharing into a large suitcase Zoe had found at Goodwill, along with some extra clothes. They wore most of what they needed onto the plane and planned to buy all their food and water supplies when they landed. They were assigned a silver Toyota Camry at the rental car kiosk. Guess we won't be doing any off-roading. Roman joked, smiling crookedly at the Avis rep who handed him their keys for the weekend. The rep did not smile back. Roman had forgotten that airports were supposed to be humorless places. A couple of hours later, a park ranger was leaning in the window of the Silver Camry, fingering a map of the park. Let me see that registration email again, the ranger said to Zoe. She held up her phone, and he squinted as he scanned the screen. Ah, yep. You two got a lucky spot. Roman smiled at his glowing, soon-to-be fiancé. 
so you'll want to keep following the road after it looks like the campground ends. You won't have to go too far, I just don't want you getting confused and thinking you maybe missed it. If you go around this curve here, he traced the road with his finger, you'll come to this little jut off. That's where you can park. There's only two campsites there, so if you get quiet neighbors, you two should have a nice private spot for the weekend. Oh, great. We appreciate the help, Roman said. Uh-huh. You two stay safe now. Roman touched the button to roll the window up, but he stopped. He had caught a whiff of the piney, clean air and wanted more. Thirsted for more. Craved it. He rolled Zoe's window down, too. The hairs on the back of his neck raised as the breeze tickled them. Zoe said, This is going to be amazing. The couple located their campsite easily, thanks to the park ranger's directions. Their only neighbor was already there, setting up his own tent. He was a kind-eyed retiree named Earl, going on a bucket list trip to honor his late wife. We tried to get to as many of the parks as we could while she was still here, but her cancer kept us back home for the last couple months of her life. I wish she could have seen this place, Earl said. I'm so sorry, said Roman. Zoe added, It's so cool that you came here anyway. I'm sure if she's still, you know, around, she's proud of you. Earl smiled. Oh, she's around. I get little signs every now and again. After a few obligatory pleasantries, Roman and Zoe excused themselves to set up their tent. I hope he doesn't bother us too much, Roman muttered just loud enough for Zoe to hear him while she held one of the poles steady. Oh, stop, he's just a lonely old guy, Roman said. That's what worries me. He's out here with no one to talk to except for the friendly couple who would never actually tell him if he's being a bother. Roman, you're creating a scenario that isn't even happening. Why don't you just focus on the tent, huh? Okay, Roman laughed. Completing the bulk of the day's work reinvigorated Roman and Zoe. They found a small trail and went for an afternoon hike down to a beautiful lake that reflected the mountain across from them, almost without a ripple. When some sort of big fish leapt out of the water a hundred feet out, Zoe stopped and slipped her hand into Roman's. They paused to watch the water, which remained still, but yet somehow captivated them for north of ten minutes. They felt like they hadn't disembarked their plane in Montana, but on some foreign world. Could a place so beautiful and clean still exist on Earth? Roman considered pulling out the ring he had in his pocket, but decided it was too soon. He needed to let the park work its magic a little longer to really make the moment special. After dinner, they laid on their backs and looked up at the stars. Never had either of them been able to see so many. Their whole lives they thought the night sky looked like a child's connect-the-dots activity sheet, but without any artificial lights for miles and miles, the sky looked more like an old television gone to static. The couple had the energy for one final rigorous activity before sleep. Zoe hoped Earl's hearing wasn't too good. Then, in their cozy, almost too small tent, they fell asleep easier than they had since they were children. The low, rattling noise stirred Zoe first. She had been enjoying such a deep and perfect slumber that she didn't dare open her eyes at first, lest she find herself unable to get back. She listened, trying to identify the sound. It could have been someone snoring, but the breaths were too shallow and rapid, not like a person asleep. And they weren't coming from Roman. 
she could feel his mouth gently pressed against her shoulder. The sound, she decided, was coming from outside of the tent. Zoe opened her eyes now. The tent was intensely dark. Unbeknownst to Zoe, clouds had moved in overhead and blocked the light of the moon and stars. Without them, there simply was no light. Zoe found the lack of visual stimuli made it easier for her to listen, though. She thought of Earl. Could it be him snoring out there? Not unless he had laid a sleeping bag out much closer to them than his tent had been. He should have been sleeping a good two or three hundred feet away, way too far for the sound to have been so loud. As the shroud of deep sleep slowly lifted from her mind, Zoe realized the source of the sound was right next to her. At the tail end of each shallow breath, there was a dry, snake-like rattling noise. Zoe listened carefully to this particular part of the sound. It wasn't human, whatever it was. She gave Roman a little push and heard his deep breathing stutter. She pushed him again and he stirred. Hmm? What? Do you hear that? She asked. She heard Roman's sleeping bag whisper and hiss as he propped himself up on one elbow. She could only barely make out his silhouette. What the heck is that? He asked with a little boy's adventurous curiosity. His eager curiosity rubbed off on Zoe, making her feel a little better. Is it an animal? She asked. I don't know, Roman replied excitedly. She heard and felt him rustling around. He said, Ah! Then the tent exploded with light. Zoe winced. Sorry, sorry, I should have warned you, Roman said. He shoved the bright end of the flashlight down into his sleeping bag. The result was a dull reddish glow that filled their tent. Now Zoe propped herself up too. They listened together. Zoe laid back down to relieve the shoulder she had propped herself up on. Once comfortable, she stared up at the ceiling. But something moved into her view. Roman? She whispered. His head whipped toward her. He didn't like the tension he heard in her voice. Roman, what is that? He didn't see at first. She wasn't pointing, just staring straight up. Roman looked up, but didn't see anything. He lowered his gaze back to his girlfriend's face. That's when he noticed the shadow. A thick bulge extruded from the tent wall just above Zoe's head. Two dark moisture stains made circles on either side of the impression. Something was pressing its face against their tent. It was sniffing. Searching. Roman raised a finger to his lips and silently shushed Zoe, but she didn't need to be told to stay quiet. She longed to be on the other side of the tent, but she didn't dare move. She had realized what the noises were. The shallow sniffs of an enormous nose. The throaty rattle of monstrous deep breaths. Could it sense them through the tent? Why was it just sitting out there? What was it doing? What was it? As quietly as he could, Roman unzipped the front pocket of his backpack. He fished around until he found his collapsing blade. He unfolded the knife. The blade clicked as it locked in the upright position. Then they waited. With bated breath and trembling hands, they waited. Tent fabric hissed as the large impression, as big as a beach ball, slid towards the top, then over to Roman's side. The whole tent bent towards the thing when it caught itself in the rope anchoring the tent to the ground. A frustrated cawing sort of sound came from the creature outside, 
followed by a handful of thumps like it had stumbled backward. Then the tent righted itself. Roman risked a little extra noise while the thing was a few feet away and rolled next to Zoe. He whispered, Do you think it's a bear? Zoe just stared at him. Her eyes, eyes which he knew so well, looked cold and distant. She was in a state of shock. Roman himself was terrified, but he had mentally prepared for this kind of situation. Although they followed all the recommended bear-avoidant precautions, it was possible one had wandered into their camp anyway. They were given no warning before the tent collapsed on top of them. Zoe screamed wildly. A dense weight held them down, trapped. Roman's hand, the one holding the blade, was pinned down at the wrist. The creature writhed on top of them, cawing and grunting as it rolled back and forth. Roman shouted for help. A targeted blow from the creature above found his head. It didn't knock him unconscious, but it dizzied him for a few long seconds. The creature rolled over Zoe, squeezing the breath from her lungs. Thankfully, it rolled again, and half of the tent resurrected itself. The other half drooped down over the dazed couple. A few scattered thumps and a punctuated rustling signaled the creature's retreat. Hey, an excited voice cut through the dark. Hey, are you two all right? It was Earl, their friendly neighbor. He had heard their screams and shouts. Good lordy, what happened to your tent? Zoe exhaled a calming, centering breath and asked, Can you help us get out of here? Earl helped Zoe and Roman find their way out of the crushed tent. Roman suggested they all get in the rental car so they could fill Earl in on what had just happened in a safe location. Earl climbed into the back seat and Roman started the car. He wanted to run the heat for a few minutes, even though it would make the cool night feel that much colder when they got back out. He didn't like how much Zoe was shivering. Of course, the temperature had little to do with why she was shaking. Did you happen to get a look at it? Zoe asked Earl. Nah, I just saw the big old shape running away. I don't know if I scared it or if it just gave up. Well, thank you either way, Roman said. I thought it was going to crush us. My money's on a bear. That'd be my guess too, said Earl, but he didn't sound convinced. You two seem like you know what you're doing, but just in case, you didn't leave any food out, did you? You put your trash in the bins over by the road and all that? Yeah, we did all of that, Zoe said. Her eyes narrowed and she stared straight ahead. Hey, do you guys see something over there? Now all three of them leaned toward the windshield, squinting. They watched the tree line, only vaguely visible in the ambient light offered by the overcast sky. Roman turned down the heat to quiet the car. He considered shutting off the engine so they could listen better, but it felt safer to keep it running, just in case. All three of the car's inhabitants gasped when something large moved between two trees. They watched, now knowing exactly where to focus, but the woods ahead went still. He's out there, Earl mumbled ominously. He's out there all right. Roman, what about the headlights? Zoe asked. Roman swallowed. You sure? He asked. Well, I'd like to know what we're dealing with, Earl said from the back. Okay. Roman looked all over the steering wheel and dashboard until he found the twisting arm that turned on the headlights. The tree line ahead lit up. The light was only interrupted by their tent, which cast an enormous shadow across the face of the woods. Two perfect circles about the size of grapefruits glowed back at them. Then the huge figure scurried into the forest. 
Enormous as it was, the thing moved like a cat. That wasn't no bear, Earl said. Roman shook his head. Zoe just kept staring. A moose? asked Roman. Didn't look like it to me. I suppose moose are pretty quick when they want to be, but never that fast. And those eyes. Did you see those eyes? It had a face like a person, Zoe whispered. Well, whatever it was is gone now, said Earl. I, uh, I'd stay in here tonight if I were you. I think I'll try to sleep in my truck. Do me a favor and give me a honk if you see that thing come back out, all right? Yeah, yeah, all right. Thanks, man, Roman said. Roman shut off the headlights once Earl had gotten into the cab of his F-250. He made sure the doors were locked, then shut off the engine. Their bodies would keep the car warm enough, and he didn't want to run out of gas in the middle of the park. Zoe stayed awake long after Roman laid his seat back and started snoring. She could feel the creature's weight on her, her breath being forced out and not knowing if she would ever get it back. She kept hearing that horrible rattle, the resonant throat of the thing that had been sniffing around for them. Was it just curious or hungry? As impossible as it seems, Zoe eventually drifted off against the window. When she opened her eyes, it felt like hours had passed, but it was still dark. She looked ahead at the trees and saw they were still. She glanced at Earl's campsite. His tent remained erect and nothing was out of place. She sighed. When she turned to look out her window, it was blocked by a huge, pale head. Two eyes like bulging white bowls were pressed against the glass, and a wet, forked tongue left a trail of slime as it searched for a way in. The thing had thin, sharp teeth as long as pencils. Its mouth alone was big enough to cover half the window. Zoe screamed, and Roman grabbed her shoulders, pulling her close. Hey, hey, it's all right. You're having a nightmare. Zoe's eyes fluttered open, and she squinted against the piercing rays of dawn that cut through the trees ahead and reflected off the windshield. There was nothing outside. They had made it through the night. They were safe. Earl joined them as they sat around a small fire, sipping coffee Roman had brewed far too strong and eating roasted bagels. Earl brought some eggs and a small aluminum pan he used to fry them up. As much as Zoe had wanted their trip to be a romantic getaway for just the two of them, she appreciated having Earl around too. She might not have if the night creature hadn't invaded their campsite, but then again, she didn't think Earl would have intruded on their morning if that thing hadn't attacked them either. She got the sense he had found peace with his loneliness. They chatted and told each other about what they referred to as their real lives, and everyone managed to relax. As the sun rose higher, the park looked so different. It excited Zoe, and soon she was itching to go for a hike. First things first, Roman said, jabbing a thumb toward their collapsed tent. Using duct tape and the one spare pole that had been included with the tent, they managed to pop it back up. It seemed to hold well enough. Earl bid them a great day, then left them on their own. They didn't see him again until late that evening after all three of them had enjoyed a long, tiring day of hiking, climbing, and waiting. The park was beautiful enough to erase the terrible visual Zoe's mind had dreamed up the night before. She felt some nagging anxiety as the sun began to set, but she wasn't too afraid to sleep in the tent again. The creature hadn't gotten anything from them, so why would it return? and the headlights had scared it away easily enough. Earl came up to them while they sat around the fire that night. He brought over an army green pouch the size of a hardcover book. 
I don't know if this will help, but I thought you might want to try it out, he said. He handed the pouch to Roman. What is it? Roman asked. It's a trail cam, the kind hunter set up to watch for deer and the like. It can, uh, connect to your phone so you can watch it wherever you like. I figured you set that up out here and if anything comes around tonight, you can get a look at it. Will it work in the dark though? Zoe asked. Yep, these things are designed to handle darkness. You want me to show you how to connect it? After Earl connected the camera to Zoe's phone, they set it up at the edge of the campsite so it would catch a wide view of both theirs and Earl's tents. Zoe pulled up the camera feed on her phone to see how it looked. The night vision green image appeared and showed their tents as well as every gnat and mosquito that flew nearby. They glowed white like tiny bits of static. Roman stepped over toward their tent and waved at the camera. His face looked washed out and his eyes glowed. Are you sure you don't want this tonight? Zoe asked Earl. Nah, I sleep too deep. It'd go to waste. You just holler like you did last night if there's any trouble and I'll wake up. The couple thanked Earl and retired to their tent. Earl stayed out by his own fire, watching the trees like a sentry. Roman and Zoe reminded him of he and his late wife, minus a few decades, of course. So full of adventure. And courageous, too. Not many people would have fixed up that tent and stayed another night especially these days. Most folks would have packed up that morning and been gone for good. He certainly would have if they had left too. But since they had stayed, he felt obligated to hang around with them. He hadn't given them the full truth the night before. He had seen they were already scared and hadn't wanted to make it worse. His lie had festered in his mind all day, but he didn't want to admit it now. Why freak the kids out when that thing more than likely would leave them alone tonight? It was a big park, and it hadn't been successful in their campsite the previous night. What reason would it have to return? The lie, Earl told, was that he hadn't gotten a good look at the creature. In truth, he had left his own tent before the thing had gotten off of Roman and Zoe's. Yes, it had been dark, but Earl could easily make out the thing's shape. It wasn't like any animal he knew of. It moved with cat-like agility, but slightly upright like a gorilla. It had a thick torso with long, skinny limbs. Its bald head was covered in wrinkled skin that drooped over its round face. Judging by how the pale light reflected off its skin, it didn't have much, if any, hair at all. While Zoe and Roman had been hiking earlier in the day, Earl had gone down to the ranger station to report the sighting. The rangers had been polite and took down his report, but the old man caught glittery humor in the glances they gave one another throughout the process. They didn't believe him, nor had he expected them to. At least if someone else came by and reported seeing a similar monster, they might believe them. Before going to bed, Earl retrieved the long buck knife he kept behind the rear seat of his pickup truck. He took it into his tent and fell asleep with his arm draped over its sheathed blade. Zoe had fallen asleep with her phone laying right next to her head on accident. When the screen lit up at nearly full brightness, it yanked her straight out of sleep. She opened her eyes in surprise, then squinted at the light. Roman stirred dreamily, then stilled. Tilting the phone at an angle so the light wouldn't shine directly in her eyes, Zoe checked the notification that had awoken her. She didn't recognize the app icon next to the notification, which read, Activity Spotted. Those two words tumbled through her brain as she sleepily tried to make sense of them. And then they clicked. 
The app icon belonged to the brand new app Earl had downloaded on her phone for the trail camera, and activity spotted probably meant something was outside. Now the sleepiness washed off her in a cool rinse of anxiety. Her thumb swiped at and missed the notification twice. She heard a tree branch croak and clutched her bright phone to her chest to mute the light. The branch above moaned as it was relieved of some great weight. A whispered explosion of leaves followed. Still holding her phone close enough to her body to absorb most of the light, Zoe turned the brightness all the way down and finally opened the app. As the camera feed loaded, Zoe started to hear that throaty rattle from the night before. It was further away than last night, but it seemed to be drawing closer to them. She heard a heavy foot drag across the ground nearby. The camera feed finally loaded, and Zoe's phone screen turned green. She clamped her free hand over her mouth to stifle an involuntary scream. The creature was sniffing around their cars. Even down on all fours, the thing's head and shoulders stood taller than Earl's F-250. Its limbs looked disproportionately thin, but rippled with sinewy muscles. Its legs looked like they belonged on an Olympic sprinter, if said sprinter was about nine feet tall. Its big, round head was pressed against the window of their car, hiding its face, but Zoe could see two narrow, pointed ears low on both sides of its head. The thing sort of looked like a wingless bat. In his sleep, Roman rolled onto his back. Zoe watched the monster intently, hoping the rustling hiss of Roman's sleeping bag against the tent floor hadn't been loud enough to attract its attention. It seemed to pay no mind. Then Roman snored. The deep and pronounced snoring made the creature look up from the car with a stiff, alert jerk. Its head swiveled toward them. Zoe saw its face was not a far stretch from the one in her nightmare. The thing had two bulging eyes above a slitted nose. It lacked any sort of snout, giving it a human-like quality which deeply disturbed her. And now those bulging eyes were staring directly at their tent. Zoe shook Roman gently, trying to wake him without surprising him. When his eyes fluttered open, Zoe clamped a hand down hard on his mouth to keep him quiet. His weary eyes widened. Zoe showed him her phone and felt him swallow hard beneath her hand. He took the phone from her and studied the creature on the screen. One of his hands danced around the area beside his sleeping bag until he found his folding blade. Returning Zoe's phone, he opened the knife. The three-inch blade looked laughably small, but it was all they had. Zoe looked back at her screen just in time to see one of the thing's legs vanish near the top of the camera's view. It had climbed one of the trees between Earl's campsite and theirs. Zoe showed the phone to Roman and pointed up. He looked up at the roof and wondered where the monster might be. A branch above groaned like it had when Zoe had first woken up. She studied the screen, hoping to see leaves or twigs falling, anything that might indicate where the monster was. They needed to escape. They needed to get to the car. It wasn't too far. If there was just enough distance between the monster and the parking stalls... A white blur entered the screen from above. Zoe's scream was cut short when the roof of their tent caved in. A powerful limb landed heavy on Roman's chest. His ribs flexed inward, threatening to snap. Zoe's leg missed being crushed by another limb by mere centimeters. The monster was on top of them, kicking and punching, tearing and clawing at the fabric. Zoe threw her arms up over her head. Roman, 
freed by the creature's erratic movements, rolled to Zoe's side between blows and held her tightly. He had lost his knife in the chaos. The monster stepped back from the tent, leaving it a sagging heap. Roman pulled Zoe a little tighter, bracing for the next round of blows or maybe a barrage of tearing claws. But they were both caught off guard by what it did next. The anchor ropes twanged as they were pulled out of the ground one by one. The couple was lifted into the air. The tent became a thin sack with which they were hoisted upward. Roman felt his stomach lurch as the creature tossed them across the campsite. He hoped their screams were loud enough to wake Earl. They slammed into the ground in a tangled mess of bodies, torn fabric, and broken tent poles. One of the stakes that had been torn from the ground stabbed Zoe through the back of the leg. Roman tried to move and realized his left shoulder had been completely dislocated. The creature's chest and throat rattled only inches away. Hey! A booming voice shouted across the campground. Hey, over here! The monster uttered a sort of whine, and its footsteps turned away from the demolished tent. Zoe tried to pull herself up, but the pain in her leg laid her flat again. They heard a large engine fire up, and the collapsed tent glowed white. A deep truck horn blared once twice, three times. The monster hissed and cawed in response. Earl revved the engine. The terrible creature in front of his truck stared him down, hostile but wary. Earl's machete lay in the passenger seat, ready when necessary. Earl gunned the engine and rushed the screaming monster with the power and ferocity of 300 angry horses. Nearly 10,000 pounds of metal slammed into the thing and sent it flying over the top of the truck. The windshield splintered, making it impossible for Earl to see out. Roman found the zipper, and with the arm he could move, he opened the tent flap. He watched Earl step out of the big truck, buck knife in hand. The monster slowly rose from the truck's bed. The rear suspension was nearly compressed to the bottom under its weight. The thing looked dazed and disoriented, but far from dead. It barely seemed hurt at all. Earl, get back in the truck, Roman screamed. Earl ran at the monster before it could stand all the way back up and swung his knife down. The creature leapt from the pickup, over Earl, and landed just behind him. It slammed him against the truck once, like a child with a doll, and Earl went limp. The monster wrapped long fingers around his torso and legs, then stood on its own two back legs. In this position, it appeared more like a gigantic human than ever. It looked around the campsite once more its eyes lingering on the massacred tent where Roman and Zoe lay trembling and bleeding, then carried Earl into the trees. He was never found. Roman and Zoe cut their trip short. Roman would find some other way to propose. He didn't want their engagement wrapped up in the horrible memory of what happened that night. They stayed in Glacier only long enough to relay their story to the authorities. First the park rangers, then the state police and finally, the FBI. While Roman and Zoe were attended to by medical staff, the FBI were joined by another agency, one which Roman and Zoe were not provided a name for. They arrived in two unmarked vehicles, two nondescript agents in each. Roman asked the FBI special agent who interviewed them who these other men were and was told not to worry about them. He said the men were from a federal agency tasked with incidents like the one Roman and Zoe had witnessed. Once they were finally home in Iowa, far from Glacier National Park, Roman did some digging. He could find nothing official on any government websites, 
but found countless reports online of similar agents appearing on the scenes of unexplainable happenings. Some referred to them as the men and women in black. Others who claimed to be insiders called them the HPA, or Homeworld Protection Agency. Whoever the agents were, Roman and Zoe knew their story was not unique. Whatever they had seen, whatever had killed the good man who saved their lives, was not alone. You made it out. Congratulations. If you enjoyed the story, please rate and review this podcast wherever you like to listen. Reviews are the best way to support the podcast and help it grow. If you want more creepy content, follow me on Instagram at The Warning Woods. If you feel ready, meet me here next week for another journey into The Warning Woods. Thank you for listening. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.